Hi folks, this is Abel James, and welcome to the Fat Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. Today we're here with the organizers of the much-anticipated Paleo FX, Keith and Michelle Norris. But before we get to the interview, I have a couple of cool and very fun announcements. Firstly, uh, I just joined Sean Croxton over at the great podcast and online show, Underground Wellness, so make sure you check that out on Blog Talk Radio. Sean's a great dude, and we had a lot of fun. And secondly, if you're listening to this on September the 28th, then this is officially my last day of having a day job, (laughs) which I'm really, really excited about. I'm super humbled by your support, and I'm deciding to do this full time. When I finished up my book and started up my blog just a little less than, geez, what was it, 10 months ago, nine months ago, I never would have anticipated all of this amazing support and the wonderful community that's risen up around this whole concept of real food and and ancestral eating and health. And I'm so happy to have you guys along for the ride. I couldn't have done it without all of your wonderful reviews, your emails to keep me going and the ones that hopefully helped you along the way. And I really appreciate your support. So it's a special thank you and it's a celebration sale. I'm opening up some spots in my personal online coaching program for just a dollar for the first 30 days. And if you like it and you stick with it, I'd love to keep working with you. Uh, It's $27 a month and we do online webinars. I I try to answer all of your questions that come up along the way. So if you want to check that out, you can head over to Lean Body Community. uh, And that's set up for podcast listeners right now to get 30 days of online training from me and some of my experts for just a dollar. So check it out over at leanbodycommunity.com or you can just go to the show notes and I'll have it up on fatburningman.com as well. So thanks so much for your support, you guys. It's, it's been a wonderful ride so far, and I can't wait to see what the future holds. All right, so on to today's interview. I'm here with an expert in effective exercise and a man who always manages to make me look like a featherweight, Keith Norris. Also joining us is his wife, Michelle, queen of the kitchen, and of course, they're both the organizers behind Paleo FX. So in today's show, of course, you get the scoop on the highly anticipated Paleo FX conference in Austin, Texas, and I'll certainly be there again and plan to moderate a panel or two, how you can get a killer workout in just 15 minutes twice a week, effective exercise strategies for both men and women, and how Barbie dolls and bodybuilders ruined it for everyone. All right, let's go hang out with the Norrises. All right, today we're here with the folks behind Paleo FX 13, Keith and Michelle Norris. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. So uh, Twitter told me that you had a double espresso today, Keith, so we'd better watch out. Is is that true? (laughs) It's always true. Pick a day. I've had a couple of double espressos. And and yes, today I did. (laughs) A couple of doubles, huh? Wow. Doubles always. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like me. All right. So, uh, Keith, why don't we start with your story? You, I know you've been doing fitness and nutrition for quite some time. Uh, how did you get into it in the first place? Yeah. So, I, uh, you know, I was a very, very active child, <laughs> much to my mom's chagrin, but uh, they got me in organized sports very, very early. Um, and I had the, the great fortune to be coached very, very early on in, in my athletic career by some of the the best coaches around. It was just, uh, you know, it was just dumb luck on my part. Um, I ran AAU track and field, um, did some uh, taekwondo and kickboxing. And of course, being from South Texas, uh, got heavy, heavy, heavy into football. Mm -hmm. Um, So as 
as time went on, I got a little bit older. I was about uh, 12, 13 years old. I wound up going to a gym in San Antonio, Texas. That gym happened to be Powerhouse Gym. And um, it was the, it, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the best experience that, that a kid like me who was both super, super driven and just hungry for knowledge could have mm -hmm. had. Yeah. Um, this was, it, this gym had everything. It had everything from bodybuilding to strength and conditioning to uh, Olympic lifting to powerlifting, and it was all in one under one roof. So, I got to see it all, and I got to see the interweavings of all different types of uh, methodologies and mm -hmm. techniques. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, it was just a fantastic lab to grow up in. That sounds awesome. Michelle, how about you? I know you're more into the cooking piece, but how did you get into this whole mess in the beginning? Oh, let's see. Um, Keith and I knew each other in high school. Um, I did, um, I've uh, been in Powerhouse Gym actually in San Antonio. So uh, I grew up and was raised in San Antonio. I've always been a cook, um, always loved cooking and, and enjoyed it. And um, so I've always pretty much been a chef. I was, um, I came into uh, paleo actually, though kicking and screaming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my specialty was Italian, uh, so. Oh no! <laughs> yes, it was. Anyway, so uh, Keith, when he became paleo, he was paleo for probably about a year, and he kept telling me, "I really think that you might be celiac. You might want to check that out." Mm. And so, I I became paleo kind of by default um, because I uh, I'm borderline celiac. And Interesting. so, um, so I wasn't really, I'm not one of the, wasn't one of those people that, oh, I became paleo and I just became really nerdy about the whole thing and mm -hmm. wanted to learn everything that I could possibly learn about paleo and, and dove right into it. I became paleo and I just, um, I, you know, got better and I was okay. And, um, but I wasn't happy about it. And so, when she says kicking and screaming, <laughs> that's literally, she was yeah. kicking and screaming. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, but I maintained, um, cooking normal for our kids. I didn't stop, um, cooking what I cooked for them because my kids loved homemade pizza and homemade mm -hmm. pasta. And, um, so I kept cooking the normal way that I did for them. So I didn't change anything for anybody, but, um, me and Keith. And so um, it took a while for me to finally realize that um, this needed to change completely. And mm -hmm. so um, uh, let's see, fast forward to 2009, um, I started really, really getting into paleo and really understanding that, that our lives really need to change. And, um, and I had been writing, um, I had been doing quite a bit of writing um, for other people. And I, at that time, uh, was a finalist actually to be on the Bobby Blay show. Oh, wow. And, and uh, uh, I ended up ultimately not being chosen, which ended up being in my favor because, um, then we lost Brittany. Um, my daughter was killed in a car accident and, um, my focus completely changed after that. Um, I, um, I decided that I wanted to, um, change everything that I did and change, um, Brittany was going to be a minister and was going to be a missionary and, and she had planned to work for, um, you know, serve other people, um, mm -hmm. the homeless for the, 
you know, the poor and that type of thing. And I decided that that was, that was what I wanted to do was be change things for the people that were um, less fortunate than we are. And that for me, she used to work in the food kitchens in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, just south of where her college was. And uh, while Brittany's gifts were, you know, singing and music and everything, um, she still went down to the you know food kitchens and worked there. And she would tell me about about it down there. And um, she didn't cook or anything, uh, but she um, would tell me about all of this. And she'd say, "Mom, you really should you should go and cook in the food kitchens and everything." And I always thought about someday, you know, I should do this. Well, I decided that's what my focus needed to be, and so that's what I chose. Is that Brittany, I wanted to create a foundation in her name and go change food policy for, you know, food kitchens and change the way that we feed our, our less fortunate. So that became my focus. And then I really, really got into paleo and really made, made the decision that that's where I needed to change. And wow. That's, that's amazing. And, and then you put on paleo effects, which really, I think, turned into something cohesive for the community. It was the first time that a lot of these folks had met each other in such a, a, a great way forward, I think. Yeah, we think so too. And and um, we really want PaleoFX going forward to be a, to use it as a vehicle for public policy change mm-hmm. and, um, and to address issues of sustainability, which go hand in hand with public policy change. And we really want uh, PaleoFX to kind of veer that direction as well is educating others in the in the, the benefits of paleo and uh it, and we really want to educate the public on the benefits of, of smartly programmed strength and conditioning as well right so let's talk a little bit more about the sustainability piece because i know a lot of people have the idea that paleo is just essentially like atkins on steroids right so sure, yeah. how can we address that in a responsible way well, Michelle might be able to better answer this since she just came from the uh, Farm and Ranch Freedom Alliance conference uh, <laughs> here in Austin, Texas. You know, it, just for my end, and I'll just say this, it, it boils down again to education. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's obviously, and there's been some articles floating around about, the, you know, the world's going to have to turn vegetarian soon or we're going to run out of water. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's so much misinformation and uh, propaganda that's put out. Um but you know, the world did very, very well without human intervention for, for eons, right? right. <laughs> with, with herbivores <laughs> and, and everything went along fine. Um, now, obviously, the, the way we're going right now can't be sustained when you, mm-hmm. start, um, when you start having to rely on fossil fuels to grow these, to grow these crops. Obviously, this is unsustainable. Um, so I'll let Michelle kind of take over from there. Well, you know, I, I think Joel Salatin says it best it's called mm-hmm. crop rotation yep. <laughs> it's called you know you you plan how you're going to um how you're going to manage your um your crops and you're going to plan how you're going to manage your um your animals and your you rotate out your animals from your crops um it's done by it's done by other countries it's done by brazil they have nothing but grass-fed meats um and that's all that they allow in that country right um, so if brazil can do it uh, there's no reason why we can't do it so um you know it's just a matter of uh, 
whether or not we demand that as um, citizens and as consumers mm-hmm. and start um, requ- requiring that of our farmers of the marketplace. That's what we demand to consume. That's, you know, that's what is going to be given to us. But when, um, you know, the thing is, is that if we also, the other part piece of this too, and, and Rob will get on his high horse about this and <laughs> say, the subsidies are part of the issue as well. When the yeah. subsidies get taken away and everybody starts seeing the real cost of what um, meat really costs us and what corn really costs and what um, everything really costs us, if they took all of that away, people would totally understand that grass-fed meats are pretty reasonable. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty insane. I mean, like Diana Rogers was on the um, panel with us and she is a sustainable farmer. She can continue to sustain her farm without any intervention from the government and for, for having, she doesn't have to have a subsidy. She doesn't have to have anything. She runs her farm. She has to pay a tax to do that, which is insane. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And so the simple fact of the matter is if we took away subsidies and we actually put that money back into a, into a, into a system that actually works like what it's doing and into farms like Joel's farm, which is very productive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we would actually have good quality, nutritious food for everybody to eat. And so um, anybody wants to argue sustainability, I, I, I dare them to get on a panel with Diana and Joel and Rob. <laughs> and so this is, uh, this is really a, uh, a battle that's being fought on two fronts. Or that this is the way Michelle and I feel about it. It's what can you do personally yeah. in your life to affect change? And what can you do in a public policy arena to affect change? Um, yeah. and I don't, and I don't, uh, want to put all of my efforts on one front. I think they needed to be, they need to be divided and both of those fronts need to be pushed forward as, as hard as possible. Absolutely. And that, that brings up an interesting point too, with the Brazil issue in other countries, it's just kind of a given that animals are treated in a certain way, you know, like, like that particular animal should be raised, for example, beef on uh, free roaming pastures. Yeah. And I, I think there's this undercurrent in um, in American society that we, we still kind of understand that to be the case, even when we're buying a hamburger at McDonald's, where the reality is just completely divorced from that. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's also a, an issue. And this is where I can agree with uh, vegetarians and vegans. It's vegans. It's also a an animal uh, reverence issue as mm-hmm. well. Um, just because I'm a carnivore in no means, in no way means that I want to uh, treat an animal harshly. Right. Uh, you know, and there's, there's a way to, there's proper animal husbandry and then there's just uh, the debauchery of what we have with uh, factory farming right now. Right. Two and... totally different issues, two totally different issues. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's the thing is that I think that we, um, particularly vegans and vegetarians who are vegans and vegetarians for the simple moral issue, mm-hmm. we have far more in common with them than we have not in common. It's yeah. Just- and that's a really interesting point. I was actually talking to a vegan today and, uh, you know, I joke that the diet that I recommend is 70 to 80% 
usually raw vegan. <laughs> and, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of paleos would, would agree with that. Um, it's, it's not this meat fest that a lot of people think it is. It's more about the sustainability issue. And I think that's one of the issues um, that we need to address if we want to scale this uh, and make it a larger movement than it is right now. Oh, exactly. Yes, we definitely need to bring these other other factions into the fold. And, and this is one reason why we 